All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. So let's talk about Metro Vancouver mayors now looking for money from Ottawa for public transit. When you take a look at the TransLink 10-year plan here to build out Very transit, in the region, $20 billion. Yeah, yeah that's was, a lot. Yeah, and it's not coming from them. Right. You know, so, yeah, mayors are... Good at uh, wanting money from higher levels of government. Sure. Don't blame him. Bride West is leading the charge here from POCO. Uh, it's a very ambitious infrastructure scheme, yeah. but it, you can argue it, it needs to be done. And it, the uh, provincial government is not in a position to fund it all, so naturally they're looking to the feds yeah. for a big chunk of uh, funding to fill out this pie. Okay, so let's listen to Brad West here, the mayor of Port Coquitlam. He is the current chair of the TransLink Mayor's Council. Here he is. There are too many parts of this region that don't have reliable and realistic transit options. And those parts of the region are actually the ones experiencing the most significant growth. And so we think it's really important that the federal government step up and provide support. See some of the dollars that leave Metro Vancouver reinvested by the federal government into our region in the form of better transit options for people. Okay. So, okay. who does he think he is? Does he think he's from Quebec or something? He deserves this type of money? Yeah. yeah. But no, he's, uh, look, BC's population has exploded in recent years. So, we've had the biggest population increase ever. Uh, and that's reflected in huge pressures on the healthcare system, uh, any number of public services, but also on the transit system where you need to build more transit because there's just, and there's it, anticipated that, you know, Ottawa's bringing in 500,000 more immigrants a year. Sure. A big chunk of those are going to be coming into Metro Vancouver. Yeah. And that just increases pressure on housing, on health care, and on transit. So Right. And he's also right that in these fast-growing areas with the south of the Fraser, in the Valley, or you know the Tri-Cities where he's from, these are fast-growing population centers, and they are underserved by transit, too. Langley, Abbotsford, yeah. uh, South Surrey, huge population growth. Yeah. And you really can't not keep pace with the, with the increase... Uh, a need for public services, and that includes transit. So the pressure is on big time. I don't understandable that the mayors are looking to other levels of government to, for significant funding. I mean, we've got the SkyTrain extension yeah. is one, but there's going to have to be more than that. The other interesting thing, when you look at this wish list from TransLink, right at the top, you, you think like usually often they want to go like a big SkyTrain project and something really flashy, and those are certainly on there. But number one on there is buses. They mm-hmm. want, like, this massive expansion of the bus network. And I remember speaking to Brad West about that, and he said, well, you know, the bus is, the, taking the bus is not exactly the sexiest way to travel or most fun, but, but you know what? It's the best bang for your buck to get people around, you know? Well, it's interesting. The bus buses only take you so far. Um, had family members go to UBC, for example. Trying to get a bus to UBC, if you're not in the right spot at the right time, uh, you have to actually go east okay. to catch the bus to go west because by the time the bus hits you in the west, it's full. Oh, yeah. It, it can't take any. So if you're in Kitsilano trying to catch a bus to be uh, UBC, oftentimes you can't get it because it's too full. It just goes right by you. You have to go back east to catch it earlier along Broadway than there. So that's that's one of the challenges of the bus system. The other thing that Brad West, I think, does not want to do is – be the guy who wants to whack people with a vehicle levy or some other new tax, right? Yeah. Mobility pricing. I've talked to him about that as well. Uh, or local municipalities bringing in new taxes on this. You know, they, you, you know, this is what you can understand why he wants the feds to You're pay not going to see Bride West advocate for some sort of special levy or t- tax increase to pay for certain things or vehicle pricing. 
I think he's always had his finger on the pulse, I think, better than a lot of politicians and very leery of that. Even, you know, mobile, uh, mobility pricing, road pricing, whatever you want to call it, makes sense from a pure policy point of view. Yeah. Politically, though, it's toxic. And we saw that with the NDP promising in the night, in the 2017 election to get rid of the bridge tolls yeah. over the Lionsgate and Golden Ears. Po- Policy-wise, it made sense from a pure policy perspective to put tolls on bridges. Politically, though, it made no sense at all. And that cost the Liberals the power in B.C. And that's why you're going to see politicians right across the board be very leery of these type of one-stop taxation or levies. And that's why they're looking for senior governments to step in. Okay, speaking of parties trying to hang on to power, let's take a look next door what's going on in Alberta. Mm. Halfway in the provincial election campaign there, Danielle Smith, the Alberta Premier, the United Conservative Party, trying to hang on. Uh, the polls, though, seem Abacus to show poll, the NDP with the momentum. Abacus poll out this weekend is devastating for the UCP. Um, it gives the NDP an eight-point lead in decided voters across the province, and more importantly... Where the election is going to be decided is in Calgary. I mean, yeah. NDP owns Edmonton. Calgary's the battleground. And the NDP, according, again, to this poll, is a six-point lead there. That's, yeah. a, that's, that's a significant lead. And I think Danielle Smith, there's a lot of stuff coming out now on her that I don't know if it was saved up or t- just time to drop in the middle of the campaign. But she's been on the defensive trying to put out fires uh, for all sorts of uh, disruptions that uh, occurred in the past, not during the campaign, but in the past, and they're now being unearthed. Right, so she has apologized now for a comment that she made on a podcast um, during the pandemic that criticized. She said people who rec- uh, got a COVID vaccine fell for the charms of a tyrant and mentioned Adolf Hitler. What was that? What was that rule of thumb in politics? Never, you told me ever, ever mention Hitler. Just <laughs> never mention Hitler. Never. Do mention, not go there. Do not compare your situation to anything resembling no. the victims of Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Uh, so no she, go zone. She has apologized for that. Uh, how much of this stuff? I mean, you know, she has said a lot of this kind of stuff around the vaccine fight and um, free freedom and people freedom of choice. I mean, this stuff has been out there. But now it seems to it's, be ricocheting on her a bit. Yeah, it's being unearthed again and re-released in the middle yeah. of the campaign, which obviously, I mean, all that's all well and good. I mean, that's what happens in campaigns. Your opposition parties do sort of stock up on your foibles from the past and drop them on your head at the most inopportune time. And that seems to be what's happening to Daniel Smith right now, which explains why that abacus poll is kind of jaw-dropping to give the NDP an eight-point lead. Now, I don't know if it's an outlier poll. Uh, we'll see what other polls have to say. But uh, if you're the conser- UCP, United Conservatives in, in Alberta right now, you have to be a little worried. Calgary is the key. Like Edmonton usually is almost always goes NDP. That's yeah. what they call it, Redmonton. Yeah. Right. And then you've got the the rural parts of Alberta, which are solid United Conservative. Mm-hmm. And then cons- Calgary seems to be the swing. So if they lo- start losing in Calgary. Six point lead for the NDP in Calgary is yeah. alarming for the United Conservatives. Let's listen to Daniel Smith here on the campaign trail. Now, this is a weird election campaign because you got these wildfires that are just raging at the same time. So yeah. you got Smith is trying to deal with that, trying to deal with wildfires at the same time she's campaigning. So here she is speaking about um, the wildfire response. You'll also hear a, a local mayor here not happy with the province's response in wildfires. Let's listen. 
I wish we could have everybody everywhere that it's needed all the time, but it is part of the reason why we are calling in resources from outside the province. It's not enough, says Wade Williams. He's the mayor of Yellowhead County. No, I'm not satisfied with the amount of support we're getting from the province. I, I, I don't, in my opinion, the province wasn't geared up for this wildfire season when it hit. Okay, well, so maybe these wildfires could ricochet a bit on they, it too. So yeah, and their other latest con, um, controversy that suddenly emerged there is um, a podcast with the top, the Take Back Alberta organizer. This is this really right wing organization where she is in a live stream with him and suggests criminal charges could be laid against individual police officers for enforcing public health orders. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, stuff like this starts to come back. At the worst possible time uh, in the campaign. And we've seen other politicians uh, be dogged by this type of thing. And Smith seems to have a lot of a luggage when it comes to this. Yeah, and this is where you like a swing voter, like a soft United Conservative voter who might be willing, might be convinced to switch to the NDP. This is where it gets to be problematic, especially if you take a look at some of the top issues. I don't think most Albertans care about that. these kind of, you know, foibles, that people, things that have been said on podcasts so much. They do care about health care. Like, that's mm-hmm. one of the number one campaigns. That's the NDP's bread and butter, you know, and they start talking about yeah. health care. Yeah, it, it, the Abacus poll also seems to show that the old Peter Lougheed voter, the centrist right classic conservative voter of, of yesteryear, number of them seem to be departing Daniel Smith and willing to take a chance on Rachel Notley. We'll okay. see if that holds before the election. It's still a couple weeks away. We've got two weeks to go here, so we'll see what happens. Okay, real quickly, the continuing aftermath of the BC Housing Forensic Audit. There's been a lot of pressure on that ATIRA, that housing society there, to fire their CEO. Yeah, we'll see what happens on that. I mean, on Friday they announced that ATIRA gave some ground a bit where they said they'd appoint a task force, an internal task force, you know, with, led by the chair of the board, so it's still very inclusive to appoint a third-party review of policies and practices, which is still not quite the openness that I think the government's looking for. But we'll see if, the, if, if another shoe's going to drop here. It's Janice Abbott, the CEO, who has yet to be heard from. The pressure's on her to quit. The board of Atira's has a fiduciary duty to protect the company, not the CEO. Yeah. Um, yeah. If the government is signaling you're not getting any more money from us unless a few things happen, well, maybe a few things are going to happen. Keith Baldry is my guest. It's Baldry's Beat. I have open phone lines right now. If you phone now, you're getting through. 604-280-9898 is the number to call. If you're from Alberta, please call me and let me know what you think about what's going on in that election there. I'd love to hear from you on that. Star 9898, toll-free on your cell. Rob in Chilliwack. Hi, Rob. Hi, good morning, Mike. Good morning, Keith. Hey, uh, you know what? Uh, as far as I'm concerned with rapid transit and, um, and the uh, provincial government going to the front of the feds, you know what? If climate change is so bad, why did David Eby not use that $8 billion in inflationary money to put towards that? Instead, he's running around buying votes, throwing, throwing money to every freaking municipality around there. Why didn't he put money towards uh, infrastructure for our firefighters, some new water bombers? Nothing like that. And if I, hey, Mike, if I just have one second, one more second, I just have a bit of a bone to pick with Keith, the way he portrayed that Langley RCMP detachment. I don't think that was good reporting, Keith, because I, I phoned the township, I phoned the city, by the way, and uh, they're not wanting to move away from the RCMP. They're wanting their own detachment, their detachment. own RCMP detachment. So you said they were moving away from the RCMP. No, oh, they're so. not. No. I phoned. I did my research. Thanks, guys. You have a good day. 
Thank you. No, I didn't report on the Langley RCMP, so not sure. Our station did. I didn't see our coverage of that, so that could very well have been what. I don't think you said that they wanted to move away from the RCMP. They no. wanted their. They were unhappy, I guess, with the deployment within the existing detachment, and they wanted yeah. their own detachment there. Yeah, but so. again, I don't think I myself was reporting on that. But um, but you know, but the thing is, though, it's interesting that you've got yet another municipality now fighting over local policing. So just in the aftermath of this Surrey debacle, which continues to yeah. uh, fester, now you've got another one. And like we spoke last week on the show, does that sort of give the impetus to some sort of regionalization of amalgamation of all these different police forces? I still think the future yeah. of the RCMP is very much in doubt. You've got Alberta now moving away from the RCMP, at least beginning the process, Manitoba talking about it. You've got Surrey... This quagmire, the largest detachment in the in the country, may be gone. Um, I think the glory days of the RCMP, if you want to call them glory days, I just think the it, it peaked some time ago. This is very much a police force from yesteryear, and I just don't think the future for it uh, is that that positive. When you've got a number of jurisdictions wanting to move away from it, and what is the status of the situation in Surrey? Well, right you got this now. strange situation where Brenda Locke, the mayor, is refusing to sign a non disclosure agreement to get the unredacted copy. Of, of the report, which has all this sensitive information of deployment numbers, which you don't want the bad guys. This is the report get. that Farnworth generated, yeah. correct? This is a 500-page report of which, you know, several hundred pages are redacted because yeah. it contains, so we're told, uh, sensitive police deployment um, information. How many officers are on a cer certain shift at a certain time in a certain area, which you don't want to give the gangs access to. And the province is willing to give Surrey City Council full access to this, but they have to sign a non-disclosure agreement, which is routine in a lot of other instances. It's not different than a budget lockup, for example, where you can't give out information. Yeah. Um, and she so far is refusing to sign this non-disclosure agreement and prompting other city councillors to issue news releases last week denouncing her for this, saying, come on, you know, what's the problem with signing an NDA? And as for the province's offer, like Farnworth had said, we want you to continue with the transition to the Surrey Police Service. So keep going forward mm -hmm. with this new police force. She wanted to keep the RCMP, but he put that pile of money on the table. So he said, look, we'll help you with, we, we acknowledge it's going to be more expensive to transition to this local police force. 30 million we'll, help, a year. we'll pay for it. We'll pay for the extra cost. 30 million bucks 30 million a year. And you won't have to pay, if you do go with Surrey Police, you won't have to pay the severance costs if right. you were to abandon Surrey Police, which is $72 million. Okay, so that's a whole pile of money sitting on the table. Still sitting there. What, so is there any indication that, you know, that council's wavering now? Take the money? Well, not... Well, it was a 4-3 vote before, 5-4 vote before yeah. uh, in favor of going back to the RCMP. I'd be surprised if it sticks at 5-4. I think someone's going to flip. Squeeze in another call. Mary on the island. Hi, Mary. On Ben's show the other day, uh, uh, a wildfire, former wildfire fire fighter from Alberta was interviewed now working for a municipal force in um, NBC. Uh, and he was very apolitical. And uh, but he said one of the problems was uh, cutbacks. I don't know whose head that's on. Um, and uh, so they started firefighters later. And uh, also they're full of novices now. Uh, and so uh, folks are ha it was just an excellent interview. Uh, folks are having to train novices um, rather than having an ongoing force that comes back year after year. Mary, thank you for the call again. Yeah, so this is an issue that come back to bite, bite Daniel Smith. There's yeah. growing criticism. There have been cutbacks in, in the Forest Service and the Wildfire Service at a time 
now when wildfires are appearing much earlier than usual, and this could be a, a big issue in the campaign. 